verses this morning together. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of, use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today in your house, as your body, as your family. Lord, we pray this morning that you would just speak to us through your word. Lord, that I wouldn't do anything to cause us to stumble this morning, but through your word we'd understand in a greater way your desire and how we should live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. First thing we want to look at this morning is again these verses that we just read. I better get my glasses because it's the only thing I use them for is seeing. And I'll, need, I'll definitely need that. Looking again at Ephesians 5.15, it says, Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Thinking about God's will, how do we live out God's will? Paul says by living wisely. We live wisely by walking or living our lives in God's wisdom. Wisdom is not, does not simply mean knowledge. Knowledge is information. A simple definition, definition of wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. In essence, we are to take God's wisdom out into the world where we live, our churches, our workplaces, our schools, our homes, we ought to be living out God's will through his wisdom every day. You know, there's much said about wisdom throughout Scripture. Over and over, uh, God reminds us of the importance of wisdom in our lives. It's as it is evident in his word. Proverbs 8, 11 says, For wisdom is better than jewels, and that all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Wisdom has been made available to all believers, and we need only to ask Ephesians 1, 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And then in James 1, 5, it says, For if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God doesn't hide his desire that we should seek him and live out and walk in his wisdom. We see it over and over again throughout Scripture. Paul says we must be careful to live, to live our lives rooted in God's wisdom. Using our time wisely. To not do so, Paul says, would be foolish. And the will of the Lord is, like, is that we live carefully and cautiously. Always matching our lifestyles with his teachings. We find that throughout Scripture that wisdom... That is wisdom, and we have great, a great responsibility to the world around us. We are God's light. We are to, to be light in a dark world. And we see throughout Scripture that God's wisdom is more valuable than silver or gold because it always pays interest, and it helps us to live in his will. Again, living out God's will is walking in his wisdom, the wisdom we find in his words, his teaching. Thinking about the unwise person, 
The unwise person is not concerned with watching his every step. He could care less about being careful living or, or living a disciplined life or a controlled life by God. Life is just not that important. The unwise person lives, does not live a sacrificial life. The wise person is thoughtful, careful, caring, spiritually minded person, a person who is on mission and has a purpose in life. The wise person knows God personally. He knows that he is on earth to live a righteous and a godly life and to bear testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. Therefore, when he gets up in the morning, he goes to work about his daily activity. He walks in the presence and the power of Christ. His thoughts are upon God all day long. The way he lives his life matters. He desires to live in God's wisdom. They're propelling him to be in God's will. You see, the wise person is all about glorifying God. He cares not only about his own situation and, and, and living out a good life, but he's concerned about the spiritual lives and the well-being of others. I found this verse in James 3.17. Speaking of wisdom, it says, But the wisdom from above is, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, you see, leaving out this kind of wisdom is certainly living in God's will. True wisdom can be a measure by can be measured by a person's character. I like this verse. I, I, I don't know if I want to just read it one more time and maybe let you just listen to it one, one more time because it really, really sums up uh, wisdom and, and the wisdom that we receive from God and, and how it should be applied to our lives. Let's do that verse one more time. James three seventeen. It says, but the wise, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Sometimes we sometimes overlook, I think, the value of living out God's wisdom in our lives and how it should affect our lives. And as we said living as those that are wise as God calls us to as Paul is proclaiming here to live out those, that kind of life in wisdom can make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives around us second point I want to look, about, look at this morning is time is a gift and I'm going to read Ephesians 5:16 again it says making the best of time because the days are evil we are to walk wisely by the way we use our time Paul reminds us that it's God's desire that we use our time wisely, not to waste time. We have to understand that time is a, is a gift of God. Man does not have to redeem or buy time. He already has time. When we are born into the world, we are born into time. Time exists. It is here with or without us. It's not that we so much that we redeem time, but what we have to do is use our time wisely. And the choice is ours. Oh, how easy it is to sit around and twiddle away hours and engage in a lot of activities and conversation that is really of little value or no value at all. Or we can use our time wisely by keeping our thoughts and our hands busy. Paul reminds us in Philippians 4, 8, those verses that we're so familiar with, 
how we should keep our minds. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We, find, we also find these words about how we could be, should be concerned about our hands in Galatians 6.10. It says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the, of the household of faith. Why was Paul so concerned about every opportunity to help draw people from darkness into his marvelous light? He says, because the days are evil. He was communicating his sense of urgency because of evil's influence on the world in which he lived. Living out God's will is understanding the awesome task that we've been given of sharing the gospel. We don't have to wonder about evil. We just have to look around. We know that evil is prevalent in our world today. Satan is having a heyday in many hearts and many lives. We have to think about time is really short. And we need to ask ourselves, what are our priorities when it comes to time? Is there an urgency in our lives when it comes to sharing the good news, the gospel? I found a short poem about how maybe we could consider and think about time. It says, I have only a minute, just 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. How we spend our time is a great indicator of our spiritual well-being. As believers, we've been given a command to share the gospel. It's not if or, or can or when we have time. It is a command that we share the gospel and make disciples. We're to serve our Lord and to be ready for his kingdom. The question I ask myself as well as you this morning, when we're talking about time as a gift, how do we spend our time? You know, I know we live in a world today that time is, it's, it's tough to juggle time. I think about all our young folks and our young couples that we have in our church, and we've been greatly blessed. Oh, boy, when I see all those kids every Sunday walk out of here, what a blessing. I mean, I don't know if you realize that, what a, such a blessing and how many churches would love to see that happening on Sunday morning, young people, young children in church. But I know that it's so difficult juggling our time. And even those of us that have retired, I hear us talking to each other and say, you know, when did we have, how do we work? You know, we, you know, how do we have time to work? You know, but time is precious and it's hard to juggle. And we certainly need God's wisdom when it comes to trying to manage our times and managing our priorities in life. You know, there's a lot of good things going on, you know, that you can be involved in and you can be a part of. But we need to understand where our priorities are. And we've been called as, God, as God's people in God's church. The gospel always has to be right here. It always has to be here. And so all the priorities we have should come down from that. The third point I want us to think about this morning is understanding God's will. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
To walk wisely, not foolishly, we must understand what is God's will. The word understand means to grasp, perceive, see with the mind, and comprehend. As was stated in the previous verse, the days of evil, full of all sorts of evil. As believers, we must understand what, what God's will is in order to conquer or to battle the evil that we find in our world today. If we don't, then we are living, as Paul says, foolishly, and we're acting unwisely. One of the questions that we've been talking about, maybe in the asking even, even already this morning, is how to understand the will of God, how to understand the will of the Lord in our lives. And I believe we see in Scripture it's by knowing God's Word, by knowing it so well that, when, that we can apply it in every situation as we're confronted with different situations every day. We must have knowledge and understanding of God's word to know his will. It's like no matter what comes our way or confronts us, we see those situations through the eyes of Scripture. John 8, 32, 31 and 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As his disciples, we ought to do everything we can to work towards his will in our lives. Believers are set apart, different because of the work of Christ and his character in our lives. Our priorities must be his priorities. We have been declared holy because of our faith in Christ, First Peter 1. But we must live it out day by day in our behavior, and in our conduct. We're not only called to know and understand God's word. It must be lived out in the world that he has placed us. What world has he placed you? You know, we talk often about God doesn't do things by accident, you know. And he has placed you where you're at at this time, in this place, if you're his child. And he's got a purpose, and he's got a plan for your life right where he's placed you, right next to that, if you're a student, right next to that student you sit by every day in school or around those people that you may talk to and have influence on. If, as you work your jobs every day, God has placed you there, I really believe, for a purpose and a reason. He wants to minister through you to those people. He wants you to live out the life he's called you to live. He doesn't do things by accident. So I think this morning we could say where he's placed us is where we need to be, and we need to be ministering in that place. The first point I want to share with you this morning is filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We know and we understand that the abuse of alcohol is very dangerous, and it can destroy lives and often does. And it can be a stumbling block in the life of Christians. I love Paul. Paul says there's no place for drunkenness in the life of a believer. And he says, besides, we don't need alcohol. We can let the Holy Spirit fill us and control us. We see Paul contrasting, contrasting getting drunk with wine that produces a temporary high to be filled with the spirit 
which produces lasting joy and a change in our lives and in our behavior. If you read on down in verses 19, 20, and 21, you see Paul mentioning singing, what the Spirit does in verse 19, a thankful heart in verse 20, and an attitude of submission in verse 21. You see, the focus of Paul's words here is not so much a prohibition against drunkenness that we should already understand and know as believers, but he is urging us to continually be filled by and living in the Spirit. When a person is drunk, everyone can tell his or her actions is quite obvious. In like manner, when our lives are completely under the Spirit's control, our actions and our words show beyond a doubt that we are filled with His presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as His Spirit lives and guides in our lives, it helps us to stay in God's will. To be filled means that the filling of the Spirit is a work of God, not of man. I heard someone say this before. It says, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean I have more of the Spirit. It means the Spirit has more of me. Our desire should be to continually be under the Spirit's control. We might think about living wisely, redeeming the time, and being filled with the Spirit as a matter of contact. Just recently, a couple of weeks ago, me and my grandsons went to, uh, to the Belk Bowl, which I am trying to forget. I told some people we had a great time before the kickoff, and we had a great trip back home. <laughs> Even though we lost, we had good fellowship on the way back home. But one of the things we did when we got there, we didn't go all the way in. We stopped, and we got on the uh, Charlotte, I'm not sure, Metropolitan or whatever, Metro uh, train outside of Charlotte. So we was going to you know, bypass the traffic. That was a neat and I noticed that we got on that train, and then, and as we were riding along, I, I noticed that, that, that the train was powered by electricity. It had this big cable up top and a big arm up there. And I thought about that as I thought about being under the control of the Holy Spirit. You see, as long as that train stayed connected to the power, that electricity, then the train was able to function and to do the things that that train was built to do. It was able to, to take us back and forth and to move. And I thought about how that compares to really how the Holy Spirit, how we need to be connected with the Holy Spirit. You say His power, God's power is always available without shortage or without a brownout. But sometimes we try to live out God's will without staying in contact with His power. I know I do. I don't know about you. But we must stay in His presence and we must stay in His power in order to live out his will in our lives. We can't say enough about that. All these other things, you know, are, are, are God that Paul is teaching us are powerful and important. But it's only when we're living through his power and in his presence can we live out these things. Paul says we must, we must be filled with the Spirit of God. Think about how I kind of bring this, all this together this morning. I listed four things here. Paul reminds us living wisely is living in God's wisdom, and it is God's wisdom that enables us to live in his will. Paul also reminds us 
to redeem the time. Time is precious and it's priceless. Where are our priorities? The gospel must be a priority in our hearts and in our lives if we're going to live in God's will. Paul also reminds us that we, if we are able to understand God's will, it's by knowing and applying God's word. It's not just by knowing. We need to apply it to our hearts and to our lives and live it out daily. And the fourth thing, again, being filled with the Spirit, we must live our lives under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are to stay, if we are to stay in God's will. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we are to see God's world around us through the eyes of Christ. As I thought about the invitation this morning, I thought about, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, a lot of you know what's ahead of you this next year. A lot of you know maybe some of you are facing job changes or job situations or you just don't know where you stand there in your job. Maybe that's a challenge that you already know about. Maybe you already know about family situations that are coming up or you're dealing with. You, you know you got those challenges that you'll be facing in this new year. Maybe some health concerns that you're dealing with and you know that that you're going to be facing some situations there. Maybe it's something that was said or shared this morning about living in God's will. There's some things in your life you know that you need to, to work on in those areas. If that's you this morning, I'd say, what a good time to come the first year and just kneel at the altar. You know those challenges, and you also there's a lot of unknowns that we don't know that we'll be facing in this new year. And maybe you just want to come this morning. I know you can do it there in the pew. I understand that. But sometimes it's something about coming and, and kneeling before God in his altar. And then I thought about, <clears throat> there may be some here this morning that are facing these situations in life. You know what's ahead of you. but you've never received Christ. And you, you won't have Christ walking with you through those situations. And I thought about what a, what a great time. The beginning of the year, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never professed him as Christ in your life, we know we say it often, the day is the day of salvation. You see in Romans 3.23, God said that we've all sinned and we've all come short of his glory. We've all missed the mark, every one of us. Romans 6, 23 says that the wages of sin is death, but, that's a big but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He took my sin. He took your sin. Him who knew no sin took our sin to Calvary's cross, bled and died and gave his life for me and you. Romans 10, 9 says 
If we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13 goes on to say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God doesn't want you walking through this new year without him. He desires to walk it with you no matter what you're going to face this coming year. No matter what you're going to face, he desires to be there with you. That's the kind of God he is. That's what he's done for me. And that's what he'll do for you. So this morning as the invitation is given, whatever God's saying to your heart, to your life this morning, it's the beginning of a new year. And I'm not a big resolutions person at all. But maybe God is saying, you know, lay these things at my feet today and I'll walk with you. Those are Christians. That's a promise. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. And if you give your heart and life to Christ today, he'll walk with you no matter what you face. There's going to be a lot of joy in the new year. I'm not going to want to be all pessimistic, you know. There's going to be joy. There's going to be good things. But we know there's a lot of struggles also in life. As God leads, let's pray. Lord, you're good and you're a gracious God. And Lord, what a promise you give us here at the beginning of a new year. That you will never leave and you will never forsake your children. No matter what we face, no matter what challenges you bring our way, you're going to be there. I can testify you've been there for me over and over again as many can testify here this morning. We thank you for that this morning. Lord, work in hearts and lives as you see fit. My words are in vain unless, Lord, you bless and you use them. We thank you for the opportunity this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us and sing? I once was lost. I walked away The road was dark I could not see My hope was gone The pain was real But your mercy You saw my step
Oh 